When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulet Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Welcome to the crypt, the underworld, the casket of calamity, or wherever you want to call wherever you imagine us to be when we record this podcast. <laughs> we are here in our evil abode, dressed to the nines in black latex, with shackled muscle monsters at our feet, ready to give you a brand new episode of Creatures of the Night. Swan, speaking of muscle monsters, mm-hmm. which one of our on-screen henchmen, outside of Israel, of course, she's very sensitive, mm. so she's not included in this, is your favorite mm. henchman and why? <laughs> <laughs> You're so wise, Drac. So wise. <laughs> We've had so many over the years. There was Sean, mm-hmm. resurrected and reanimated. Mrs. Morales. Yes, Miss Morales. We've had Ken, who's just like such a hunk from several seasons now. Of course, our sexy salon henchmen that were in the Boulet Beauty Bazaar. Our thickest henchmen to date. <laughs> to date. But I think my favorite was my delectable little playmate on the intro of Resurrection, Chirac. Let me remind you, when we last saw Chirac, I had him by the throat, lifted up off the ground, and you interrupted my play session and told me to clean up my mess, but not before I made a bigger one of his face. But (laughs) aren't you glad that I interrupted you because now he's still alive. Spoiler alert for those at home. Ooh, she's pulling tea. You might have removed his eye, but not his life force. He's so much cuter now. (laughs) (laughs) We will be right back. Are you just dying to experience the terror of Dracula live on stage? Then get your tickets for the Boulet Brothers Dracula Titans Tour, coming to destroy a city near you. Available now at DraculaLive.com. Do it now or die. <laughs> Welcome back, darlings, and joining us now is our co-host and our favorite wax figure assistant, Ian. Ian, darling, welcome to the show. Uh, it's so good to be back. And I have to say, when you were listing who your favorite henchmen were, I was biting my tongue because I was like, I'm not a henchman anymore. That was the old me. That was the version of me that was killed in the fire. But I will always vote myself as the favorite henchman or maybe just the favorite slutty friend on the show. Sassy vampire, side-eyeing Sean Morales. Always You are the Tran-pire child. 
That's what you are. Because you speak and think, which means you're disqualified from being oh, one of the henchmen. Sweetie, that's you can, true. You, you that's have true. permission to live in whatever world you want to. Oh my God, the world is my oyster. I'm feeling so much moisture for it. <laughs> okay, I also have to say, I have been running around just talking about Eldritch Blast out my nussy oh my all God. week. I can't stop. Wow. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> Listeners of the podcast may love to hear this little off-screen moment. We decided that my gnome warlock was going to be named Miss Gnomer. So for anyone at home, <laughs> just there cons- you go. consider that drag name spoken for. <laughs> and for those of you that are still here listening after that, uh, I think Ian's ready uh, to bring us the news. <laughs> yes. Bring us your updates from the world of horror. Dearest listeners, gather round and be not afraid. Come in close. Closer. Closer. Not too close. And please shut the door behind you. Carefully, though, as to not disturb the spirits of the dead or what remains of their putrefying physical forms when you do. We're so glad you could join us for tonight's news featuring the mutating forms of original IP adaptations and spiritual successors soon to sear their sights into your sullen souls. Dusting off our character sheets and rolling for initiative, a brand new trailer for the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons film, subtitled as Honor Among Thieves, has just been released, showcasing a bit more of the film's plot, which has been kept very, very general up until this point. Moving to the realm of all things spooky in the darkened corners of the room, Stephen King has a brand new adaptation of his short story, The Boogeyman, coming soon to theaters after originally slated for a streaming release. And finally, rounding things out in the dark recesses of the cosmos, video game horror masterpiece, Dead Space, has been rumored to be getting an adaptation by way of legendary horror luminary John Carpenter, who alluded to an adaptation in the works before clarifying that he would not be attached to the project. And with all that out of the way, I wanted to pose a question for the seance. How do you ladies feel about adaptations? What do you look for when something you love is adapted? Let's take the seance reference and use it as part of the answer because you need to capture the spirit of whatever the source material is. Like if you're going to summon a spirit, you better do it right because if you deviate too far, you lose part of what people fell in love with. And I think that's a deadly mistake. Like D&D, like mm-hmm. Honor Among Thieves, maybe, but definitely not Honor Among Writers and Showrunners because <laughs> that looks corny. Well, <laughs> whoa. I kind of feel like, yes, you're right. But if you're talking about a book, for example, because it's different when you... When it's different from different different mediums yeah. to be adapted. So if, it, for if sure. it's like a comic book or a video game, then you sort of already have a visual representation of what the character should look like or whatever. But with a book, a book, you know, the three of us could read the same book and we will picture the characters probably looking extremely different and <laughs> then, then, then how each of us imagine it. Right. And so when you I think we all get these ideas when we read a book of what does this place look like? What does the mm-hmm, set look like? What do the characters feel like? And if you watch a movie that adapts a book and it doesn't live up to those expectations or it varies too much from what you think. Sometimes you can be like, this isn't my book. This isn't, you know, X, whatever the book is. This ain't it. You just are going to reject it automatically. So I think it's very tricky capturing the right essence. I mean, can you all think of any books that you thought really did a good job of that? I can right off the bat. Go for it. The Game of Thrones. Like I read the entire series, five or six books or whatever, particularly the first couple of seasons, because the book was so engrossing. It's all about the character development and the relationships very complex relationships mm-hmm. too, like the power structures and all the different families globally. When I saw the first season, I was scalped because it was <sighs> so 
well encapsulated and it really projected the same idea that the writer did it really reflected the stories of the books it was so good i agree with both of you about what you look for in an adaptation and it's interesting though because the one that comes to mind for me is the adaptation of american psycho by brett easton ellis i love the book it's probably actually my favorite book but it is so dark it is just ghoulish it's a horrible read and like i recommend it to very few people that being said i think the movie is almost a horror comedy they really take the character of patrick bateman and they turn him into a total goon and i think that the movie and the book are two totally different versions of themselves but i kind of love them independently Mm. i can see that yeah i think universally people would agree that the best adaptation is the vampire stat movie right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh, you should see wow. swan's face <laughs> i mean how disappointed were oh, you when you watched that so you've terrible. mentioned that on the podcast before it is wild with the crowds with the plastic pitchforks oh, like literal oh. spencer's gifts props. yeah and wow. plastic capes i was aghast unbelievable The spirits are actually calling to me from the spirit world. And it seems like there is one last news tidbit that I forgot to mention. And it's actually, (gasps) Swan, get ready. It's the scariest thing that's happened in the worlds of drag and Hollywood and horror. Um, The Real Friends of WeHo debuted recently to, I think, pretty abysmal (laughs) reaction. Cue the screams. (laughs) I'm going to agree that probably The Real Friends of WeHo may be one of the scariest new things to enter the pop culture zeitgeist, but I kind of want to back up to the adaptations conversation, which will bring us to this week's Creature Feature review. So video gamers and zombie aficionados united in a collective cry of glory as HBO released their adaptation of the 2013 adventure action horror video game, The Last of Us. And so much has come out now since the show has made it on HBO. Like I've seen so many memes about Pedro Pascal being a daddy. And I even saw like the last of us out yes! there somewhere <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> everybody finds him hot. We'll get there, though. The Last of Us takes place 20 years after modern civilization has been destroyed. And Joel, Pedro Pascal, the dirty daddy, as he's been dubbed online, a hardened survivor is hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14 year old girl, out of the oppressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal, heartbreaking journey as they both must traverse the U.S. and depend on each other for survival. Now, I knew you played this game, and I was also very excited to see the trailer because there's monsters, and it seems scary, and we're definitely Mm -hmm. living in the horror world, but also like adventure and fantasy, which is my sweet spot. Yes, totally. Um, So I kind of wanted to put it all between us. What were our first impressions of the characters and the vibe of this series? Well... I'll start by saying I did not play this game. So I came in blind. And in fact, when I first heard about it, I didn't think I was going to be into it. I was sort of like, this looks like, you know how you and Ian and Israel will like get off on the, those weird <laughs> vampire like ninja movies. Underworld. Yeah. Yes! Like that. Like I'm oh like, it's going to be like that. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. Or it just felt like it was going to be something like that. Or I'm like, hi, walking dead. Like, I don't, I was like, I don't know. I'm not into it. Everybody loves but, vampire ninja movies. <laughs> but that being said, within the first couple of minutes of watching it, I really enjoyed it. It hooked me in and I saw a quality in it. I could tell it was not what I prejudged it to be. So yeah, my first impression was pretty good right off the bat. I'm going to agree. And I basically came from the same place. I had not played the game and kind of to speak to adaptations and how they're adapted in a great way, you can feel how complete the world is right from the start. Like the documentary footage or that 
the, the talk show, the talk like show the footage. Yeah, right there when they start talking about like funguses and how they behave, and just the first couple of seconds of the show, episode one, is like kind of sets the tone and the backdrop for what we're about to see. Yeah, you can just tell it's a very like realized world, and I was pulled right in. Yeah, my first impression was one where I was holding my breath, and I was holding my breath for a lot of reasons because I didn't want to inhale the fungal spores. Um, but I was just wanted to see. I was nervous. There's been a lot of video games that have been adapted that are not great. And, you know, this had a lot of pedigree behind it. The director, Craig Mazin, did Chernobyl, which is a limited series for HBO. I love the video game. So I was like, just please, please, please don't fuck this up. So when I tuned in episode one, kind of from moment one, I was like, they're nailing it. They're nailing it. I'm very happy. I'm here for it. And I agree. I love the world. I love what they're doing with the show so far. First impressions, she's doing good. She's doing good, gal. (laughs) I really liked how different the zombies were presented in the, so far. But the explanation, I love that right off the bat, the opening scene is a talk show and they're explaining exactly why this world is different than The Walking Dead or other zombie movies that we, you know, like Thriller or whatever you might. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, in that, the real zombies of WeHo. In that footage, when Ian was doing one of his like cryptid review reports, like back at like, you know, episodes of the podcast months and months and months ago, you talked about that infection in like this insect world yeah. where they kind of take over the bodies of like crickets or ants exactly. or something or whatever it was. And they operate, they're kind of dead and they're kind of mindless brain dead, but they're almost like hijacked and piloted by this plant life and that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're dealing with it's here. like a circuit party exactly <laughs> when everyone's on the same drug exactly. oh my god oh my god i'm gonna start a new circuit party called cordycep which is oh, the name is of these amazing? like fungal zombie creatures yeah it's interesting i have been sort of in the background obsessed with the idea of cordyceps for a really long time because i remember when the game came out it sort of was my introduction into the cordyceps fungus and both the show and the game are very true to what the idea of the cordyceps fungus would be and there is actually a really amazing i believe it's national geographic video that you can look for on YouTube and it talks really in depth about how cordyceps works and it is horrifying like if you want zombies in the real world google cordyceps in the real world and just get ready to get freaked out and if you want to stay with Ian for the rest of the night of TV watching stay <laughs> tuned for ancient aliens coming up next after that oh, oh, oh my god no seriously though I was watching this new show on Netflix with William I Shatner you it's called Unexplained I was like this is my favorite show ever <laughs> Ooh, that's so funny so we're kind of talking about the first two episodes because that's right. what has aired you know at the time of this recording and I want to talk about when we first get introduced to the cordyceps and I called them zombies too because that's what they were giving zombie they were giving living dead and I was so excited like this is when my blood rushes and I get really kind of like goose flesh and I get really excited about the horror world because when they think and when they're fast and aggressive and genuinely scary, that's when I'm like, woo, like up out of my seat. And oh, I'm yeah. like loving what I'm seeing. I love when they first introduce, I think the first infected that we see is the grandmother or the kind of the elderly woman who lives next oh. door. And I love how the first time that we meet her, she is basically just completely unable to take care of herself. If she's even mentally present, we're not really sure she's being fed by her son or by another character. And then the next time that we see her running full speed, just, I mean, 
She's using her cooldown like Yoda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's She's using her cordyceps cooldown. There was some connective tissue there, though, because she was out of focus and you could see her body like yeah. jerk and twitch. It was so effective. I know. I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back, but let's be honest. Once again, this is a total ripoff of <laughs> Granny Hags from Hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> again, over and I over see it. And we Pedro over. Pascal. We okay. see you, Craig. I, I see you. you. The last of us see. <laughs> Dirty daddies. Okay, I'm so sad that Sarah died because I was actually interested in that character. Mm -hmm. Not so interested in the character played by Bella Ramsey. Ellie, mm -hmm. right? Like she, she not into main character. her. Drax's like, yep, hate her, little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> because she was kind of a little bitch, but then you kind of learn that like. That's her humor, and that's no, how she deals like with this her. rough world. Okay, bye. but I like Tess, and she died. I hate that. The people I like die. Wait a minute, maybe yeah. I don't like the show. This is like Game of Thrones. You know, it's like don't get attached to anyone. That's why I loved it though, because I grew really attached to Sarah too, and I'm like, wow, I love this father daughter relationship. I'm invested in this character in one episode, and then she dies. Mm -hmm. So it teaches you from episode one that the characters that you love, just like a world like sort of taken over by this crazy pandemic of cordyceps people drop. It's very critical. Like people will come in and out of your life, maybe for one episode. Who knows if they'll be there for the whole season. It just added like a critical layer to watching the show. Well, totally. And they further that with after Sarah dies and we're 20 years later into the future, you know, we meet this unnamed child who it's revealed through that scanner that he is infected. And then the next time that we see him, he's getting thrown into just a pile of corpses on fire. And it's like, this world is sad you know there is just a world almost devoid of happiness which i think you know i can see why you don't like ellie but i do appreciate her humor especially in episode two like i think her personality starts to come through a little yeah. more by the way i think pedro pascal is charles bronson it's the same person oh my god <laughs> yeah, we had to stop and google we were literally talking about like death wish and a bunch of charles bronson movies while we were watching the show same person <laughs> same person she was cryogenically same frozen character. obviously still would um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> While we're talking about the granny hag cordyceps from hell, mm -hmm. I get the sense that we've just seen the tip of the iceberg in how they can mutate and how we see them. Because granny was like on all fours, like a ravenous dog. But then we see these other ones. Ian, I've heard you use the term clicker, but mm -hmm. in the, the Boston Museum where they can't see, but they can hear. And I was like, it was so tense. Like when they walked in the area and you can hear the little like... And I was like, ooh, it's like everyone knows. Like I'm I'm scared. I'm like shaking. And like they make that one little noise and, and they're right on top of them. And I was like, yep. oh, I'm like, oh my God, they're so they, they can zero in on the side. Oh my god, they're so good at this. It's so fun. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm like really trying to like hold my tongue because I've played the games, I've played the first one, the second one, the DLC. Like, I love The Last of Us. And I'm trying to come at this from hi, let's talk about the show, but they've already planted some seeds of what is to come and there's a really amazing little easter egg foreshadow moment that i won't spoil now but when it happened i was like oh i cannot wait for that reveal okay that just piques my interest because you said when it happened so it was something that happened not something that was said because i was like did i hear that Oh, right, don't, gosh, no, oh, if I, I don't nail it, don't say yeah. it. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Well, so, okay, we're coming at this from two. Obviously, people love this show so far. The reviews are great, but we're coming at this from two different places. So mm -hmm. we never played the game, don't know this world or its lore. You know everything about it. Mm -hmm. So as someone that knows so much about it, do you agree what p critics are saying that it really lives up to like a faithful adaptation? Yeah, like I said in my sort of initial reaction to it, I think that this 
adaptation of The Last of Us is really nailing it. I really appreciate the ways that they are expanding the lore of the game. They do it in meaningful ways, and it's interesting. There's another podcast that features Craig Mazin, the showrunner, and Neil Druckmann, who's the director of the game, as well as Troy Baker, who you'll see later in the show, Eyes Peeled. And they talk about the reasons why they make some of the decisions, and I really do feel like it captures the spirit of the games. And it also is in a lot of ways, exactly how I remember the games. Specifically in episode two, there are a lot of scenes where there'll be a pool of light coming like vertically, you know, mm, through like a ruined building. I noticed building. that. Yeah, and it's, it's a thing that happens a lot in the game because, you know, you're traveling through areas where there's no electricity and the only light source will be just the sunlight peering through these kind of broken buildings. Kind of talking what Drac was saying earlier about, you know, does it kind of match what you had seen in the games absolutely does and actually one thing that I really loved was when they revealed the clickers in the trailer it was like a a split second moment it's that where that clicker is like rushing the camera and I was just like they're nailing it they're totally nailing it Mm. because when the game came out you know we had seen tons of zombies and of course there are hundreds of different kinds of zombies but I feel like this was the first time that I had seen a zombie that was less of a like member of the living dead, quote unquote, and more of a like an infected, mutated kind of human character. Okay, so let me ask you all a serious question. Would you rather fight a flower zombie, which is from this Oh, okay, flower zombie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Flower zombie. Mm -hmm. A walking dead zombie. Mm -hmm. Night of the living dead, Romero kind of zombie from space or, you know, kind of inspired from space, oh, right? It was like a meteor or something. I don't know, whatever. This is Something so like easy. that. Or what is it? It's the Walking Dead zombie because, hi, yeah. anyone with like a number two pencil can just like <laughs> casually, <laughs> you can just casually walk up to them and just pierce their cranial like bones like butter and kill them it in like two so seconds. It got so stupid, didn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, like the only thing that the Walking Dead zombies have going for them is the fact that they travel in packs, which interestingly, you don't encounter hordes of infected in the game until the second one. So that, that's a little bit of a change. I think that they make for a, a, a positive reason in the show. But yeah, totally. like Walking Dead zombie. Give but me a Walking, walking dead, dead zombie. Oh, totally. But remember... Season one of Walking Dead, they were not as easily disposed of. That's and I, true. I partially think, and I'm giving them some, you know, I'm leaning on the side of the creators here. I think that they are suggesting that these things have been animated and rotting for so long that mm. they're easier to dispose of the longer, the I more years that go by, the more, you know, degraded Tissue decay, they are. So I'm bones. hoping that that's what it is, because otherwise I'm like... <laughs> A baby with a butter knife can go through. Totally. Just, Call me baby with a butter knife. <laughs> no, no doubt. No, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that as sort of maybe the reasoning why, because they make a reference to, oh, well, you know, how long did the infected last? And Joel says something to the effect of maybe a month, maybe two, or you have ones that have been running around for, for 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you that. see, you know, it's interesting because they don't reveal that there are multiple types of infected until you have the reveal of the clickers. And I think that it's so smart the way they do it because it's sort of like, what's the problem? I thought that, you know, Beyond the QZ was supposed to be just covered with infected. And they both, or Tess and Joel, just get really quiet. And they're like, let's just keep moving. And then yeah. when you see them, it's like, this there's, is why you're quiet. There's a and lot of foreshadowing. Zombie. There's Wall Zombie, too, who didn't do anything. Yeah. Wall mm-hmm. Zombie was like a plant for real and th- didn't attack. I think like it imploded or he just like grew right onto the wall or something. So what is that about? You've played the game. That's Fashion Zombie, honey. Oh, What is it? Do you know? What is that? Why? Yeah. So without spoiling too much, there are just different stages of infection and different ways that the infection kind of takes over. And I think that that one is sort of implied because you see other 
examples of that in the Bostonian Museum where yeah. they like look on the ground and there's ones that are basically just dried out and just yeah. like I thought they so were dead. chalky. It's he, that is. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't think the one on the wall was dead or was I it? think the wall on the wall was dead. Oh, yeah. I took what it that killed way it? too. Just come on, you tell age. us you know everything about it. Oh yeah. Hi. I'm actually I am the <laughs> just uh, old age. <laughs> I'm the Jakarta scientist. Oh, old age. Okay. I see. <laughs> yeah. So you could shoot you I could shoot you in the head three times and you won't die, but Old age comes quick in this world. Oh, hey, for some of us, you know, I think this is successfully scary. And I think if it's pleasing Drac and I, who have never played the game, and obviously, Ian, you're like singing its praises too. I think it's like really successful. And it also gives us a lot of foreshadowing. I think there's tons of concepts without having played the game that are coming our way. It's got me really excited. So quick question. What if I had Roundup? Would these zombies be in trouble? Oh, that's the thing is that there's actually, and they'll reveal this in episode three, is that there was a Roundup shortage in Jakarta. That's why she was like, you have to bomb the city because we don't have Roundup. Damn, uh, listen, not, not only, if you had Roundup, not only would you be able to successfully destroy all these cordyceps, but you'd also might be eligible to uh, have a lawsuit against the creators and get some <laughs> money true, in your pocket you too. Can get a lot of cra- you can get <laughs> yeah. a lot of crazy stuff from Roundup. Don't for listeners at home, do not use Roundup. It's not for you. Yeah. Unless there's a zombie infestation because you'll die anyway. Yeah, so totally. it's okay. Uh, all I'll say is that there are some amazing seeds that have been planted, a lot of foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and just knowing what's coming, knowing what characters will appear and their storylines. I'm really excited because I think that we have only seen the beginning of the infection here. I'm very, very excited. Me too. And in other words, I think in the seance of The Last of Us adaptation, they have successfully captured the spirit of the game. Well, I think we deserve another short break, but don't move, darlings, because when we come back, we'll be answering all of your new listener questions. Hello, uglies. It's that special time of year again, so visit BouletBrothersDragula.com for brand new merch from the wicked world of the Boulet Brothers. T-shirts, keychains, stickers, vinyl copies of the Boulet Brothers debut EP, Time to Die, and a brand new shipment of exclusive merch has just become available at BouletBrothersDragula.com. So if you consider yourself a member of the Dragula Coven and truly practice the dark arts, spend all of your nether coins at BelayBrothersDragula.com. Do it now or die. We're back and ready to answer all of your listener questions. Ian, will you please do the honors? Joel, I already told you you can't let Tess know. Oh, yeah, of course. Hi. Sorry. <clears throat> Gabe from Nashville writes, My question comes from the recent conversation of reality TV and how it translates to the Dragula world. Is there any interest in the future of including the almost 24-7 filming setup where these artists are being filmed in the place they resort back to, etc., etc.? I feel like it would be interesting, but also add another sense of competition pressure. Very curious on your thoughts and plans. Easy. All we would need you to do is triple our budget, because that's basically an entirely new show. That's the thing. (laughs) It's something that we have talked about since season two, and the way we produce the show and how the competitors live off of camera and all that has changed a couple of times many times actually since Mm -hmm. we've tried a bunch of different formulas so currently it wouldn't work to do that but in the past we could have done it but honestly it would have taken us like another year to put the show out i think it would have made us had to bring in two production companies and it would have took twice as long to edit and everything i just 
Maybe we'll do it one day, but not right now. Brit writes, Please drop the workout routine because you ghouls looked swole as fuck in episode three of the Belay Brothers Dragula Titans. I had to clutch my damn pearls. You both always give such fierce leg, but Swan, those biceps were serving. <laughs> I love being gay. Just read that question again. Oh my God. Who cares about the answer? <laughs> She is a fit freak, that is for sure. Oh my god. <laughs> and also, the workout routine was already dropped in season two for That's the gothic right. wedding. Yeah. You already saw you it. You too can work out with us. <laughs> just, just stab, stab, stab <laughs> your enemy. Stretch those arms and squeeze those biceps as you grab that hatchet and take off their head. I, I guess love we that intro. tend to have our arms and our upper body cover most of the time, right? So maybe, uh, yeah. What did we wear on that? That was like the space That was the sci-fi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you were showing a little bit of a body there. Some skin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nick from New Hampshire writes, Do you have any plans on future seasons to bring other Drag Race alumni to Dragula? Or was J. Jolie a one-time exception? Some names that come to mind are Charity Case, Aiden Zane, and Pathia. I think that our show is pretty much open to all drag artists, whether they've been on a show or not. It's weird because I know in a lot of the viewers' minds, it's very separate, right? You're either on this show or that show or that show. But when they all get off the show, everyone kind of interacts like just the drag artist. I don't think people are like, you're from there and you're from there and you stay over here and you stay over here. Like, I would be open to anything. I mean, what I would look for is someone who has an interesting story to tell that hasn't already told it. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night. If you have questions for us that you would like us to answer on air, please email us at creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com and let us know where you're writing us from. We love to hear from you. And remember to follow, rate, and subscribe. It's very, very important. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. 